What is up, everyone? Welcome to episode three of the Process Podcast. I'm Charlie Witkowski. The man on the other side of me is Nick Veronica. Nick, how the heck are you, man? Charlie, I have very important news to share with you. Did you see Uh-oh. that there is a bison emoji coming later this year? I did, and I'm pretty sure that's going to be the most used emoji in like all of the 716. I'm extremely excited about this. I've been I've been wanting like a real chicken wing emoji for a while and they have the one that's like a like a drumstick that a king would have used in like the 1200s and it's not <laughs> like like it doesn't really match up with buffalo even though I want it to so bad, but this is a looks looks I mean it's super detailed. It's coming out they said late 2020. I am extremely excited. You know, speaking of emojis, I'm pretty excited as and I'm sure you saw this one as well. They're finally coming out with an Italian emoji. With the fingers? With the Yes. Very Italian, you know, talking with your hands emoji. I'm very excited about that one. I feel like that's gonna be my most used emoji. Yeah, it was like your middle three fingers and your thumb just pinched together like Like what you talking about, man? Yep, exactly. You got it. You got it. I'm excited though, man. I'm I'm glad to see uh the emojis finally adding things that I can use other than smiley faces and sad faces and stuff. So about time they start getting creative. Yeah. So what's going on, man? How, how's your week been? Dude, I got, you know what else? As long as we're talking about extremely Buffalo things, I went to, I'm, I'm living down near New York City right now. I went to Jimmy Fallon last week. And the day, I, and it's pretty hard to get tickets. You have to like go in, in like into a lottery and they sort of just pick you. The day I go, the musical act it was from Buffalo. It was a rap group called Griselda. And they, like, I looked them up because I'm like, how hard could you be like from Buffalo? And they have a lot of respect on their name. Like, they, they are super hard, pretty gangster rap. And it was just, just sort of funny. Like, they're literally rapping about selling drugs, shooting people and then jimmy fallon's out there's like yeah all right i can sell that everybody how great it's like <laughs> so don't I don't, they, uh, aren't they signed to eminem's record yeah maybe? yeah shady records sign. like like they're they're doing really well they're pretty respected so it's in one in one way it's weird to think about being proud of someone from buffalo who's talking about like the shootings that they did and then on the other hand, it's like that stuff is is like the east side is bad in some like really bad in some spots. So it's like that's happening whether they rap about it or not. So uh, they're they're extremely proud of Buffalo. A lot of their songs like mention mention restaurants and stuff. They have a song called Pat Lafontaine, but that's the only hockey reference was like gun so big it looks like a hockey stick. Pat Lafontaine. I was like, oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> but anyway, so it's really no no reference to hockey other than Pat Lafontaine's name and a hockey stick. No, but uh, I mean that just shows you how OG Buffalo they are. It's like I remember when these guys were like, that's the first hockey thing they thought of. It wasn't like, oh Jack Eichel. It's like, nope, this this classic hockey player. Well, at least they they were you know going back to the good days of the '90s. I guess our days haven't been uh, too great this season. That's for sure. No. Any other extremely Buffalo things you saw this week? Uh, yeah, man, I actually yelled at someone for eating their chicken wings with ranch. Um, I got, I got severely upset about it. Actually, I was, (laughs) believe it or not, I was out to lunch with a customer of mine and, uh, they wanted chicken wings. So we went to, uh, uh, a local restaurant here that had wings and, um, believe it or not, the owner's from Buffalo as well. And he ordered his chicken wings with ranch. I was very, very disappointed. I was going to say, was it, was it Cameron Jordan from the Saints who talked crap about blue cheese recently? <laughs> uh, no, it was not him. Uh, but apparently, according to my customer, you know, for all you out there that don't know, I live in Atlanta. So according to my customer, it is the way they eat their wings in the south and that we don't know how to eat our wings right up in the north. Uh, and I just stopped the conversation right there. I'm like, I'm not not going to get into this with you, man. We're, we'll, we'll just we'll just move on. <laughs> I mean, we only invented them, so what exactly, do we know? Exactly, but we, we don't know what we're doing, right? Yeah. So it's a learning curve for the, hey, yes, for the Georgians. Speaking of wings, here. I heard you make your own chicken wings for the Super Bowl. Is this true? This is true. I actually uh, bought a deep fryer, a turkey fryer, because um, wow. my cousin Nick and I usually deep fry something for every Bills game. And he came down a few years ago. Actually, the game, the, Bill, the Bills made the playoffs in Miami. Uh, and we're like, well, we got to make wings. We got to make wings. So we make two types of wings. We do our regular, you know, classic buffalo wing. And then I do a 
peanut butter and jelly wing. What? Which Are you serious? Surprisingly good. Sounds incredible. I'm not surprised by that at all. Well, next time you're in town, man, I'll I'll make up some wings for you. And we'll do some uh, peanut butter and jelly wings. I think you'll be you'll, you'll you'll never go back, man. It's a it's a new new thing. All right, this is going to be a dumb question. Like, is it hard to make your own wings? No, it's you just gotta get the the oil hot enough, and then you put it the uh, throw the wings in, make sure they're not wet, so that the uh, fryer doesn't explode. And other than that, it's it's easy stuff. Well, I've always thought like if you know if you're ever really down on your luck, you could go anywhere in the country and open like a Buffalo food restaurant and serve like pizza and wings, and you would make a killing. We actually have a place here in Atlanta that. Uh, their their pizza is labeled Buffalo style pizza. Really? Is it good? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's not bad. You know they have a lot of uh, they they do the, the the small pepperoni and and all that. Their wings are okay, but they do serve the bat and the and and blue light. So um, I'm happy with that. Nice. It's pretty hard to find good wings out in New York. Surprisingly, it's pretty hard to find good pizza outside of Buffalo. I feel like all the pizza around here sucks. Uh, I can imagine that for sure. <laughs> but anyway, man, we got a lot to get into. We got we got to get into uh, get into everything we got going on this week. We got the Super Bowl coming up. Um, we got some quotes out there this week from Lashawn McCoy and from Sammy Watkins. Um, we got the article by Tim Graham that came out this week. We got a lot to get into, so let's just start diving into it. I guess let's back it up a little bit. Let's talk about. Kind of the thing that's been on everyone's mind, I guess, uh, for the last couple days, last couple weeks, um, I think probably the last couple years, the Patrick Mahomes trade. Um, I know you tweeted out a lot about it um, on Twitter uh, the last couple weeks, um, especially with Kansas City clinching a Super Bowl berth. But what are your thoughts on it? How do you feel about it? I think you and I kind of feel a little bit differently on it, but kind of want to hear what you got to say and 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 uh and kind of what what your thoughts and feelings are on it all right so just just to recap in case anyone's not familiar it was uh sean mcdermott's first year as coach and that they still had doug whaley uh, and his whole scouting staff on on the the team because they didn't want to fire them like right before the draft with, with all the work they had done all season long right so sean comes in about roughly three months before the draft and as far as we know, he was running running the show. So he was calling the shots, and Doug, I assume, was just kind of there, right? So they end up, they trade with, they had a 10th overall pick. They trade with Kansas City, who's coached by Andy Reid, who was Sean McDermott's mentor. They trade back. They end up getting Tredavious White later in the first round. The Chiefs get Patrick Mahomes from Texas Tech. He sits for a year behind Alex Smith, comes in his first season, all he does is win the MVP award. No big deal. Second year, all he does is lead his team to the Super Bowl. No big deal. Tredavious White is a phenomenal player. No, There's nothing against him. You can. It's fine to like Tredavious White and to be happy with how good he is and still be upset about this trade because having a great quarterback is so much more important than having a great corner, and that's not even debatable. So it's... Both things can be true. You can love Tredavious White and still be upset about this trade. And I think something I, that I read this year that made me even more upset about it was um, the Athletic had a sit-down with McDermott about about that draft class, about drafting eventually before the, they drafted Josh Allen. And they, they talked about his first class. And I'm going to read right from the article. It says, McDermott wasn't ready to take a quarterback. He had been in the building for a little over three months, revamping his coaching staff and rebuilding the defense and free agency. That timeline didn't allow for a thorough enough evaluation of the quarterbacks for him to feel confident in making that investment. So what that tells me is you got a defensive coach coming in who cared so much about his defense that he didn't have time to pay attention to the most important position in the sport and they missed a quarterback who is on the cusp of becoming the youngest player in NFL history to win a Super Bowl and the MVP. And I know that there's like the Doug Whaley angle, like he didn't trust their analysis, whatever. Like that's not good enough. I don't care. You can't willfully ignore the most important position at the sport because you don't want to like offend someone who you're about to fire anyway. And to me, this this almost seems like 
a larger problem with Sean McDermott evaluating quarterbacks and that he has a history of not hitting the nail on the head with this. He's passed on Watson and Mahomes. He made a really poor decision to bench Tyrod Taylor in the middle of the season for Nathan Peterman. Then the next summer, he had a quarterback competition literally all summer, blew up in his face after two quarters, and he had to change the quarterback again. There's there's a pattern here, it seems like, with missing the mark on quarterbacks. And this is no not even mentioning whether you think Josh Allen is good or not. And I've been impressed with Josh Allen. I've been pleasantly surprised with him that we're not, we're not even getting into that. It's a totally different story on this specific aspect. The fact that the bills not only miss, but helps someone else get an incredible quarterback who's doing things we haven't even seen before in this game is just a bad look period. Let, let me ask you this, Nick. Do, do you think that if Patrick Mahomes came to Buffalo with the talent that he had around him, you know, which would have been his rookie year to the talent that he has around him now, would Patrick Mahomes be the exact be the same quarterback for Buffalo as what he is for Kansas City? I mean, of course not, but I don't think that's a terrific argument. Like Andy Reid's a good coach; he would have had a different coach in Buffalo. Like it's different, but you can't tell me a guy who won the MVP award his first year as a starter wouldn't have been still really good, even if he had slightly not as good of receivers. Would he have been equally though as good as what we have now? You know, you you look at. For me, right, I look at the talent that Kansas City has. I look at the talent that Buffalo had over the over that three year stretch, right? Kansas City's got one of the best receivers in the league in in, in Tyreek Hill. They had one of the best running games in the league, um, with Kareem Hunt, you know, through last year, which helped take a lot of heat off of Mahomes in his rookie year until they had to cut Kareem Hunt for, for his issues off the field. Um and then you know, he also has a he had a strong defense. This year is a little bit different. I think their defense has been a little bit shaky, um, but he's also had a great O line in front of him that that's been able to protect him. Josh Allen hasn't had that great O line. He hasn't had those great weapons that you can just throw the ball up to and expect him to make the play, right? Um, and that's that that's been our big knock on on this coaching staff, on this GM so far, is that they haven't done enough to go out and get their quarterback weapons. Don't forget, he also has one of the best tight ends in the league in Travis Kelsey who is one of the best go-up-and-get-em pass-catching tight ends in the league. Um, I just don't think that he would have excelled the same way. I think he would still be good, but I don't think he'd be where he is today had he come to Buffalo. But, you know, I'm not. I'm also not a scout. I'm not a, uh, you know, I'm not a coach. But looking at the talent that we've had on, on our side and looking at the talent that he has in Kansas City, it doesn't compare, man. Like, there, there's so much that I feel like Buffalo would have needed to do to um, get those weapons around him to make him where he is today. Yeah, I agree with you. I just don't think that absolves the Bills or even the nine other teams who passed on him. No, and, and you know what, though? I, I will say this. I think this would have looked a lot worse had Buffalo gone out and got someone else other than Tredavious White in that draft. Um, you know, l- Luckily for Buffalo, you know, Tredavious White has worked out, and he's he's been a hell of a of a defensive back for the Bills. I think he's been severely underrated in this league. I feel like uh, he doesn't get as much praise from the national media as what I think he deserves. Um, but I think he's, he's been a great addition to the Bills defense, and, and he's really been that strong lockdown corner that they needed um, in Buffalo. I think that, um, you know, don't, don't forget, also with that trade, they got the pick to go and draft Tremaine Edmonds which, as well, I think is a big pickup for them. They got their leader on the defensive side of the ball. You know, don't get me wrong, I would have loved to see Patrick Mahomes in Buffalo, right? I would have liked to see, you know, a quarterback of Patrick Mahomes' caliber in Buffalo. But again, like we talked on um, the podcast a couple weeks ago, I'm not too concerned about Josh Allen. I'm one of those guys who thinks that Josh Allen's going to be the answer. He's going to be the franchise guy. Um but he does have some work to do, and we knew that going into this. Um, yeah, but, I, but I agree I with you on that stuff. See... I'm just saying those are separate arguments. Like, I know, like, Allen is totally separate from this this specific decision. Right. You know, and like I said, the decision was wrong. It was obviously the wrong decision, right? You you trade out of a out of a draft pick to go and get uh, trade down and draft a defensive back. You know, shame on Doug Whaley. Obviously, there's a reason why he 
was going to be let go. Um, I didn't think Doug Whaley's drafting was that good. I mean, we can even go back even further and look at the the Sammy Watkins. His drafting was terrible. You, know, tra- you can you can be a little bit right. <laughs> okay, great, great. His drafting was terrible. Um, I think Brandon Bean's done a great job drafting. Um, yeah. I think he's done a, done a good job with this team over the last few years of putting together the team that him and him and McDermott want. Um, I think that. Uh, you know, Whaley made a lot of mistakes, and this this was his last big mistake that he made in Buffalo. Um, you know, but I I, I think that uh, at the time, McDermott may have gone into the season felt comfortable enough in Tyrod. I think Tyrod showed enough flashes the year before. You know that he, there's a reason why he got resigned, and obviously that was another Doug Whaley move as well. Um, but I I I as well had enough confidence in Tyrod going into the year that he could do enough, and he did. I mean, look, he got us to the playoffs. Besides the terrible benching of Tyrod that happened earlier in the year, but I think having a guy like Patrick Mahomes come in and sit behind a player like Tyrod Taylor would not have benefited him in any way. Um, and I think he would have played too soon that maybe it could have hurt him. You know, you look at some of the, the best quarterbacks in the league. I mean, look, uh, Aaron Rodgers, who'd he have to sit behind? He had to sit behind, you know, one of the greatest of all time in Brett Favre. Um, Tom Brady had to sit behind a very good Drew, uh, Drew Bledsoe, you know, um, and Mahomes sat behind Alex Smith, who, in my opinion, I don't think Alex Smith is that bad of a quarterback. Um, I just think he got a bad luck of the draw there in, in Washington. And unfortunately, you know, that's where his career looks like it's going to end up ending, you know? Um, but I would much rather be sitting behind an Alex Smith than a Tyrod Taylor and learning from Alex Smith, um, way before learning from Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, that's true. You know what I always think about, though, in this draft is we always talk about, oh, there was Patrick Mahomes, there was Deshaun Watson. The Bears trade up to number two to get Mitch Trubisky. (laughs) Right, Buffalo could have traded up to number two and got Mitch Trubisky. Yeah. You know, it could have been a lot worse. Um, I I will say this. You know, we, we were talking about Josh Allen a little bit ago. Part of me is nervous that Josh Allen's going to fall into that Mitchell Trubisky level um and god i hope he doesn't i I really hope that he doesn't become a a mitch trubisky type of player um you know i i think josh allen's way more skilled than trubisky but you know i I think uh if he takes that step back then then that mahomes talk really comes full circle and it's like okay now you really made a huge mistake um but that's all i had to say about about the whole mitch trubisky thing i wouldn't be surprised if he's not in chicago um, come next year, or if Chicago doesn't draft a QB in this draft and, and starts kind of putting some fire behind Trubinsky. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Patrick Mahomes will be the fifth youngest quarterback to ever start the Super Bowl. And if he wins, he will be the second youngest to ever win the Super Bowl behind Ben Roethlisberger. Charlie, do you see him winning this game? Uh, man, you know, I've been going back and forth all week. Um, I do not. I do not. I think that the 49ers defense is just too good. Um, you know, with Bosa, and I think D Ford's gonna be freaking hungry, man. He's got um, he's got some revenge on his mind. I feel like, you know, he he don't forget he took a lot of that blame for um, for them not making the Super Bowl last year. You know, he missed that big sack on Brady that would have won them the game, and or you know, or would have stopped stopped New England's final drive there, and he missed the sack. And he took a lot of heat. And was he the one who jumped offside? Yes, yes, yes. He jumped offside, um, and I, and I know he missed a big sack down the line as well. And the fact that he had to take all that blame, and then to make it worse, Kansas City goes, "Oh, we're, we're trading you." I'm like, okay. <laughs> and for it to come down to him and his new team against his old team. Um, I think he's gonna be he's gonna be hot, and don't forget, they have uh, San Francisco got a great cornerback in 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 uh, Richard Sherman, who's been there twice before. He knows what to expect. He's a great veteran leader for for the young guys on this team. Um, I just think their their defense is just too too good for um, for for the Chiefs. Yeah, I think San Francisco is definitely the most. Com- or the more complete team. They play complementary football all three phases. They actually, I think they scored more points per game than the Chiefs this year. 
even though Mahomes was out for a couple of games. But to, they seem more complete to me, and I just I just have a hard time thinking about possibly betting against Patrick Mahomes every game. It's even if they're down, it's like they're never out of it. He just you he, there's parts of the game you just can't stop him. But you know what? Everyone wants to talk about. Um, you know, the other thing I've heard a lot about this week is the 49ers have to go into a shootout against the Chiefs, right? Like, what happens if they go into a shootout? I think the Chiefs have shown enough that their defense is weak enough that, um, you know, their offense is going to have to win them this game. Plain and simple. I don't think that their defense is strong enough to win them the game for Kansas City. I mean, if that's um, what it comes down I think, to, I feel like the Chiefs' offense can definitely win them the game. I would think San Francisco has a much better shot in a close game. Don't forget, though, San Francisco and New Orleans this year, at New Orleans, that was a shootout. And Garoppolo played pretty damn good, and their whole team played pretty damn good, and they were able to get through that shootout with a victory. You know, that's what got them, got them the number one seed. That's what, uh, you know, helped clinch them in into the, the spot they were in for the playoffs. That was a huge game. That was their, at the time, was their Super Bowl. And their defense came up when they needed to, and their offense came up when they needed to. And I feel like that game alone, if you put them into that situation, um, I think that their offense is a more complete team and their defense is more complete. And I just don't see anyone touching them. The other thing, too, Patrick Mahomes loves that deep ball. And the 49ers have allowed um, only 10 deep ball completions of 20 yards or more this season. They're number one in the league when it comes to fewest completions allowed of 20 yards or more. Wow. They had 10. Number two was Pittsburgh with 16, and and tied with them was Seattle. I mean, they had, their defense is solid all the way around. I think the thing with Kansas City, though, is they have so many weapons. If you try to take away Hill, they got Sammy Watkins coming out. Of, Sammy Watkins leads their team in receiving in the playoffs right now. They got... Big tight end over the middle. They got McCole Hardman even can beat you. It's like they're they have so many ways to beat you, and their offensive line is giving Mahomes so much time. But you know what? I like the running game of San Francisco a little bit more than the running game of Kansas City. Um, I think you know Mozart's obviously going to get the start. I think he deserves it. You know, if Tevin Coleman can go, that gives them a good um, good change of pace between. Um, you know, between Mozart and and Coleman, I think Coleman's a little bit more of a uh, a tougher power runner. Um, you know, but I would assume that Mozart's going to be your starter, right? Um, after after forget, last game, I they, would think so. Right. I, I they also have George Kittle, and George Kittle's coming into his own, and he's becoming, um, you know, an elite tight end, you know, pass catching tight end. And uh, Samuel's had a big year. And I'll, I'll say this. I don't think San Francisco gets to where they are um, without Emmanuel Sanders. Yeah, that, Emmanuel that was a big, Sanders big didn't addition. Have, he didn't have any catches last game. And I heard Peyton Manning this week on his show that he does on ESPN+. Plus. Uh, he was talking about the Super Bowl and, ta- and breaking it down and breaking down Garoppolo's uh, eight passes that he had. And the one thing he said, he goes, I remember when, you know, when I was with Emmanuel in Denver – if he had a game where he just didn't play well or he had he didn't have any catches, he came out and he was hungry. He goes, and I expect him to have a huge game this week as well against uh, against uh, the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. And he, and and I wouldn't be surprised, man. He's a good receiver, and I think he's proving that trying to prove to people out there that he could still play and play at a high level because he's on a contract year this year as well. Um, so he's either got to come out there and show up, and and he's playing for a big contract. So we'll get to some prep ups in it. Prop bets in a minute, but Emmanuel Sanders is plus forty five hundred to be MVP of the game. If you want to take a long shot, <laughs> no, you know what? I I was also thinking about this too. I think um, for at least on the offensive side of the ball, right? It, and it could be anyone on 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 either side of the ball. But I feel like if the Chiefs win, Mahomes is your MVP. And I think if the Niners win, I think uh, it's going to be because of Mozart, and I think he'll be the MVP. All right, well, that is on our list. We're going to go through some prop bets right now, and we're going to track our picks, and then we'll, next podcast we'll see who had the, who had the most most wins here. So I, first of all, the line for the game is Chiefs minus 1.5. So I'm, I'm going to assume you're, that means you're taking the 49ers. Is that right? Yes. All right, I'm putting you down for SF, and I'm going to take, I'm going to take Kansas City here. The total for the game, which means you add up both teams' points, is 
54 and a half. So that's roughly 27 points per team. And then you just add them up. So Charlie, are you thinking over or under? 54 and a half points. Um, oh, I'll take the over on that. I think it's going to be a shootout. I am also going to go with the over there. I'm hoping so. Last year's Super Bowl was just so low scoring, and it was like competitive because it was close, but it was just kind of dull. And I'm I'm really looking forward to this game. Yeah, I I, I think last year I I would have rather watched paint dry or watch the puppy bowl <laughs> than watch the uh, watch that game again. I, I get I get emails from companies all the time trying to you know send out pitches. There was a line for the puppy bowl. If you wanted Team Rough or Team Fluff, I'm like, how could they possibly <laughs> handicap this? But and also, if you if you're betting on the Puppy Bowl, you have some some real issues to get. <laughs> anyway, I will say this though: if you haven't watched the Puppy Bowl, uh, if you would have watched it last year, and it's usually on like early afternoon. Don't ask me how I know this, um, but if you if you haven't watched it. Just give it, give it a watch, or at least watch it with your wife or your girlfriend, because she'll at least get a kick out of it. Oh man, that's anyway. Back, <laughs> back to the real game here. Um, our next one was passing yards. So Jimmy Garoppolo total passing yards over or under two hundred and forty point five. Uh, I'm gonna go under. Under. Um, I kind of like the under there too. I think their running game is going to be heavily featured. Uh, yeah, you know, like, like I said, I think I I agree with you. I think the running game is going to be the main uh, feature, and I I think teams have shown that they're able to run um, against the, the Chiefs' defense. So. Yeah, but but I mean, we did take the over for the total, so maybe they throw more passes. Maybe we're wrong in this one. Uh, Patrick Mahomes total for pass yards is three hundred point five. So will he have a three hundred yard game? Uh, yes. I think if he has a 300-yard game, I think they win the game. All right. I'm gonna... I think he has to have a 300-plus-yard game to win the game, so yes. Okay, it's going to be tough against that defense. I'm going to take the over there as well. I think it could uh, second half could be pretty wild, I think. All right, going down. Tyreek Hill receiving yards, 75-and-a-half. Uh, oh, the I'm, I'll take the over on that. Over. All right, I'm going to go under. I don't know. I feel like they've been teams have been trying to take him away, but I like it. You know, I, I think, you know, Tyreek Hill is going to be matched up on Richard Sherman. I think there's a lot of respect between the two of them. Um, you know, they, they've both gone on record this week of saying that. But I think Tyreek Hill's speed going across the middle, I don't know if, you know, Sherman's going to be able to keep up with him. And truthfully, I, I could see them doing a lot more short stuff to Tyreek Hill and getting him uh, the yards after the catch to, um, to boost his total there. Interesting. All right. This next one is when the first points of the game will be scored. Will there be a point scored in the first six minutes of the game? No. I, I, I say no. I think uh, if either team wants to win, at least in the first half or at least the first quarter, I think a lot of it's going to be how can we drive out our – how can we make our drives the longest possible? Hmm. You know, keep keep – Keep the other offense off the field. Obviously, you know that's what every team wants to do. Um, so, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if whoever gets the ball first tries to extend their drive as long as possible. All right, I'm gonna go no on this one as well. I was sort of surprised they had they had points broken down by minute. It was like points in the first one minute, two minutes, and obviously the odds changed. And the the break even point was was the first six minutes. I was kind of surprised by that. I'm gonna say no. Next one. Every year I like seeing this one. Will there be a safety? Yes is plus 900, which means you bet 100 to win 900 or any variable. And no is minus 2200, which means you have to bet $2,200 to win 100. Uh, I'm going to say no. So you are taking the heavy favorite there for little return. I'm, I'm going to go yes just because... There'd be so little return on going no, and something weird <laughs> always seems to happen in the Super Bowl. People are nervous, situations come up that you haven't prepared for. I feel like there could be a safety, I don't know. All right, this one I thought was interesting. Will the winning margin be exactly three points? If it's yes, it's plus 460. If it's no, it's minus 750. Ooh. Um... You know, I'll say yes. 
Okay. I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a uh, a close game. I think it's gonna be a shootout, but I think it's gonna be a close game. Um, and that three points is over that uh, that one and a half point spread that they're giving it right now. So. All right. I'm gonna say no, only because that's so specific. And even if three points is like the most, I don't know if it is. I'm assuming it must be the most commonly hit number for a margin of victory but that's just so specific so even at minus 750 i'll take that all right um so you you're expecting a close game here the last play of the game will it be a quarterback kneel down yes minus 170 no plus 135 i'm gonna go with no i think uh if what i said before was true that it's gonna be a close game and the team's gonna win by three I think that team wins by three on a on a field goal at the end of the game. Interesting. I'm gonna say. Well, I mean, I'm picking Kansas City to win the game. If I say no, that would mean San Francisco is either driving, or the Chiefs still need to like run out the clock. So, I guess I'm gonna say yes. I would. I was not thinking of saying yes until just now, but maybe the Chiefs will get the ball at the end. I don't know. I don't know. We're going to find out. <laughs> All right, we got two quarterbacks who can protect the ball here. Total interceptions for both teams combined, over or under one and a half? Um, I'll take the under. Um, like you just said, I think there's too many. Both quarterbacks are very good at protecting the ball. Um, neither one of them turns it over too much. Uh, so I, I don't think we're going to see a lot of interceptions. All right, I might take the over there just because it's both guys' first time in the Super Bowl and – could be nervous. Got some good good defenses here. I don't know. We're going to see. Will the game be tied after the first score of the game? So after someone takes the lead initially, will the game be tied again at any point after that? Yes, minus 130. No, plus 100. Uh, yes, yes. Like I said, I think it's going to be a back-and-forth game, so I, I, would say, I would say yes, it would be. I'm going to agree with you again on that one. I vote yes. All right, these these were separate, but I'm going to put them together here. There was one bet for the longest touchdown yardage, and there was one bet for the longest field goal of the game. Both of them were set at 46 and a half yards. Okay. Um, I'm going to take the under on that. I think both defenses. On which one? Touchdown or field goal? Oh, on the uh, I'll take it on the touchdown, um, and I'll take the over on the field goal. You're reading my mind. That's what I'm going as well. I like shorter touchdowns, and I think people are going to have to try some longer kicks here. Yeah, I, think, I just think both defenses, you know, when it comes down to it, are, are, are pretty good. Um, you know, uh, again, it's going to come down to that running game for for the uh, for the 49ers. If they can get that running game going uh, on the positive side of the 50, I think that, you know, you're not going to see a lot of field goals you're not going to see a lot of you know deep deep passes long runs i think uh you know san francisco is just going to bang out that short yardage stuff and do what they got to do and just keep moving that ball all right this one i was initially surprised by but it turns out neither team runs a ton of trick plays number of players with a pass attempt in the whole game over or under 2.5 so basically will anyone other than mahomes and garoppolo throw a pass i'm going to say so over under two point five. So I'm going to say under because I'm going to. Oh no! You know what? I'm sorry. Let me correct that. I'm going to say the over uh, because I could see Emmanuel Sanders throwing a touchdown in this game as well. Ooh, okay. Wow. I believe he's thrown one already this year. If you're calling a shot and that turns out, we may have to give you a prize on the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, more receiving yards. Kittle or Kelsey? Um. I think Kelsey. I think Kelsey's going to have the bigger game than Kittle, but I think it's going to be close. All right. Kelsey is a slight favorite here. He's, he's minus 120. Kittle was minus 105. I think I'm going to go Kittle just because Kansas City has so many options, and I guess it could go the other way. I think San Francisco really needs to use Kittle more. I just feel like after that after that last game that, that Kelsey put up, yeah. um, you know, I, I feel like, uh, well, the game before that against um, – um, the Texans, I feel like you're going to see a repeat of, of that, that style of offense from, from KC. All right. Will there be a two-point conversion attempt? Yes, plus yes. 120. No, minus 155. You're all over yes. Oh, I, I'm all over yes. I think, uh, you know, again, 
you know, with it being as close of a game as it is and, and the, the number of chances that I think each team's going to have to take, I think that one of the two teams is going to need to need to take a two-point conversion attempt at some point. Yeah, that's my feeling as well, and that is, that's plus 120, so you get more than double your money. I, I like that one a lot. All right, one of the ones everyone wants to see, what color will the Gatorade be? You got the, <laughs> the, the options are purple, white slash clear, red, yellow slash green, blue, and orange. And if you can believe it, they have odds on, on color. Purple is the, is the favorite here. Um, orange is the least likely. Do you have any thoughts on Gatorade color? Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of the blue Gatorade. Uh, I feel like like blue's the best. So I'm gonna go with the blue Gatorade. All right. I thought red might be interesting just because both teams have red in their color. I have no idea if Team Gatorade color corresponds to jersey color or not. Um, I don't know. Red was interesting, and then you get yellow slash green slash lime. If you bunch those all together, that seems like a pretty common color. Um, I don't know why I'm, why I'm assuming that teams color the Gatorade like their jerseys. That doesn't actually make any sense, but that's, that just was... you know I've I've always I've always wondered like how do they pick the color of the Gatorade every game? Like do they mix it up? Do they ask the players in the locker room like, hey, what flavor Gatorade do you want this week? And majority wins. I don't, um, I don't know if it's like ba- like how do they do that? Like baseball, it's like you always let the pitcher choose the music, and it's like do they ask the quarterback like what? I don't know. I'm curious. Like I I got to find this out. Like I got to find someone that. <laughs> But you, you know what? You know what's weird is like that's exactly what I was gonna say. The inside information, like the NFL, is very transparent with their injury reports. Like basically, so betters don't try to like hound the team for info. But this one, like if, right. you, if you know somebody and you just be like, "Yo, what color like do you guys mix up every week?" And if they tell, like, I don't know. See, this one see, for for the interest level in this that they do this every year, and it's like a, it's like a, a big thing. This one seems sort of hackable if you have inside info. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'd be curious. Like I said, I, I need to find someone in a locker room that just knows this answer because yeah. I'm. I've. I've always wondered this. All right, so you're going blue officially. Yes. All right, I guess I'm. I'm right here. The last one we have is who's going to be the MVP. And I got to tell you, I hope if if you have the odds up in front of you here, it's easy to say a quarterback is going to be. It's you. If it seems like people always vote for a quarterback. But that's why the odds are so much lower for quarterbacks. For MVP, you almost want to like see if there's a value pick in there. So last year, Julian Edelman was the MVP. This year, um, I'm just curious what you got here. I'll read them off here. So it's Mahomes plus 110, Garoppolo plus 250. So th- this means you, you bet 100 and you win 110. If Mahomes is MVP, Garoppolo plus 250. Um, 49ers running back Raheem Mustard is plus 850. Tyreek Hill plus 1700. George Kittle plus 1800. Travis Kelsey plus 2200. Like these could be fairly substantial if you hit on it. Damian Williams plus 2400. Debo Samuel plus 2400. Nick Bosa plus 3000. Emmanuel Sanders plus 4500. Sammy Watkins plus 4500. Uh, we can keep going here if you want. They listed a lot of people who I don't so, think will be it, but uh, some interesting thoughts here on on the value versus risk. Well, I, I kind of said before, like right, like my my two my two picks for MVP, which would be, you know, if if San Francisco wins, then I think it would be Mozart, and I think if uh, Kansas City wins, Kansas City is going to go and take, um, you know, Kansas City's MVP is going to be Patrick Mahomes. However. I think I want to throw one underdog into that race as well. Sure. And I want to throw uh, throw some money down on Debo Samuel, I think. Uh, Plus 2,400? Yeah, I think Samuel could have a big game, like a, a sneaky good game. All right. I think I've, I've been saying Kansas City is who I think will win. I like Travis Kelsey, but I think if Kelsey has a big game, that probably means Mahomes has a big game, and I don't see – I don't see a Kansas City player not Mahomes winning this award, unless maybe you like Damian Williams at plus twenty four hundred. But so then my other thought is, all right, if San Francisco win the game, wins the game, who's it going to be? You could have Garoppolo, maybe Kittle, and then maybe I think if there is a defensive player 
which would be pretty pretty big money, I think. So Nick Bosa was plus three thousand. If you're looking for a defensive player, I gotta scroll down here. Richard Sherman plus eighty five hundred. Um, I mean, you could scroll. Lashawn <laughs> McCoy's on here plus twelve thousand five hundred. He might not even be active for the game. Yeah, I don't see him winning whatsoever. No, all right. Uh, that MVP. <laughs> yeah, I would think I'm gonna go. Let's go George Kittle plus 1,800. We'll see that. All right, speaking of um, LeSean McCoy, let's, let's touch quickly on the former Bills who are involved in this game. So we obviously we got McCoy. He, Bills cut him before camp this year. He signed to play with Andy Reid, who was his coach in Philly. He had some interesting quotes this week. Did you read those? Yeah, you know, I, I was reading them uh, a little bit this week. I think I sent them over to you as well. Um, you know, I know you mentioned that he was surprised that Buffalo cut him before the season, um, but he knew it was a money thing. I think he he was able to figure that out. He he obviously thought that he was better than the other players that the Bills had in camp. I I, I disagree. As the season went on, I think Singletary proved that he could be the number one back on this team, um, and I I think Singletary had a better year this year than than McCoy had. Um, you know, years prior with Buffalo, I I think, truthfully, I feel like, like Shady's, I hate to say it, he's losing a step, and I think it showed last year, um, and I think it's shown by him being inactive as much as he has this year, um, you know, especially in, in big important games. Do you think um, the Bills would have been better off with him instead of Frank Gore? Uh yes, I mean. You know, we, we know what production Frank Gore gave them, which was, like, little to none. Um, but it, it, it's hard to say. I think for the the running style that Singletary has, you know, or at least what we thought he had coming into the year, right? I think everyone thought that Singletary was going to be that power runner, very similar to what Frank Gore was. Um, I think the coaching staff may have looked at it like, we want you to learn behind a guy like Frank Gore. You know, a guy who's done it right, um and everything, not 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 knocking shady whatsoever, but uh, you know, I think learning behind a guy like Frank Gore over learning like a guy like like Lashawn McCoy is going to do more good for Singletary long term um, than what it's going to do for him short term. All right, they also have Sammy Watkins on their team. He's uh, he's been a contributor. He's leading the team in receiving yards in the postseason. He's plus forty five hundred to win MVP. He said this, or I'll read the headline to you. Sammy Watkins says, trade from Buffalo, quote, revived my whole career. He said, at that point in my life, I didn't want to be there. Somehow, miraculously, I got traded like the next week. You, what did you think about that? You know, um, I think he got a bad rep with the whole Rex Ryan thing. Um, you know, he had a 1,000-yard season his first season. He had almost a thousand yard season, second season. I th- I think if I'm remembering correctly, um, Rex Ryan just completely took him out of that game in, in his final game and did not let him get to that thousand. Um, so I I feel like the coaching staff prior to McDermott, um, and, and and his staff really put a big damper on the whole Sammy Watkins thing, um, in Buffalo. And I feel like Rex kind of turned him off at that time from the sport from the game. And turned him off from wanting to be in Buffalo, and I, I don't think that at that I think at that point when he came back, I feel like he didn't give enough of a want to be there anymore. That being said, you know we got to do what we got to do and and move on from him. And I was okay with it, you know. I I don't think he went and lit it up in L.A. I don't think that he went and and he's had a good year in Kansas City. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think he's proven that he can be that number one receiver that we thought he'd be when we traded up to get him at number four. Yeah, he was also injured a lot here, and I know that can that can weigh on people when you're, you're hurting constantly. For him, a foot injury, like there's there's never a way to stop aggravating that, basically. You're constantly using your feet. Um, speaking of guys who were injured, I completely forgot Reggie Ragland is still on the Chiefs. Yeah, he's another one that was um, traded right around that same time as, as Sean McCoy was, if I'm not mistaken, right? Because he was a Rex Ryan guy. Uh, he was traded before the 2017 season. He actually never played a game for the Bills. That's right. That's right. Yeah, he, he was a Rex Ryan guy who just didn't really fit in with what McDermott wanted to do. 
they sent him sent him to Kansas City. He's been active. He has he's a tackle in both postseason games. So he you could see him on your TV in the Super Bowl. I always thought thought he was another one that was very you know hyped up coming coming from Alabama. Um, you know he had that spotlight on him for his for his time at Alabama. But again, I don't think he could have been the number one, you know, uh, linebacker that they needed. I'm, I'm much happier with um, who we have now running the linebacker, you know, core with Milano and and uh, and Edmonds. You know, I'm hoping that they can go and find another linebacker to replace Alexander this offseason. But um, you know, I'm much happier with Edmonds and 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 Milano back there than what I think I would have been with with Reggie Ragland running the show. Yep, there are two other Buffalo ties on Kansas City. They have linebacker slash defensive end Damone Harris. He is from Bishop Timon High School. He played at UB. They also have a receiver on the practice squad, Jody Fortson, who went to South Park High School, spent time at ECC, and ended up at D2 Valdosa State. He had a great quote this week. He said, when they acquired Harris, he said, oh my God, we've got another one here. Let's go Buffalo inspires hope for the city you know like buffalo we can do it we've got to stick together and grind he's been on the practice squad that's a, a great quote and it's it's just awesome that that they're together out there i remember there was a story a year or two ago that there were two baseball players from from buffalo who were meeting or playing against each other in like a, a, a minor league all-star game like out west somewhere um, I think it was Dan Dallas, a pitcher against LG Castillo, and it's just like it's nice when those tie-ins sort of just pop up different places. You know, it, it's always nice to see the the local guys. You know, for for me, um, you know, growing up down in in Southwest Florida, it was Sammy Watkins was always the big guy that that always got thrown around. So when he was drafted in Buffalo, I was I was pretty excited. You know, I saw him play throughout through high school. Um, his high school team used to just destroy my high school. <laughs> we were we weren't too good then. Um, so it's always good to see the Buffalo boys get get some recognition too, because you don't think of Buffalo as being a, a a football hotbed, I guess you could say, for 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 guys coming into the league. Um, you know, Southwest Florida itself is is starting to come around to that. You know, they're getting some good good young college players out of there. But Buffalo, you never hear a lot of guys saying, "Oh yeah, I'm from Buffalo," or you know, whatever. Gronk was maybe the last really really good one, but um, I don't believe that he he. Went to high school in Buffalo, right? He went. To uh, he st- he started at Will North, and then he transferred to a school in Pittsburgh. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So I mean, he was he was Buffalo-ish, I guess you could say. All right, and then the only player on San Francisco is Marquise Goodwin, who's actually on injured reserve with an knee injury, but he's a former Bill. Uh, pretty good guy. Good story. He's been a U.S. track runner as well. Any thoughts on Marquise? I thought I thought Marquise Goodwin was always a a good receiver. I think he helped spread the field a lot for Buffalo. I never really had a problem with him. Um, but you know, good good for him. You know, unfortunately he's on injured reserve, but I know he had a had a pretty decent year last year, and and he was starting to make a little bit of a name for himself there, and um, you know, and a, and a pretty good start to the year this year. Um, but you know, again, good for him. Sucks that he's another former Bill that's playing in the Super Bowl, but. Um, you know, I'm I'm not I'm not mad about it. I guess you could say. All right, so tell me, of all the guys we listed, or anyone else, even Andy Reid, could be an idea here. Who would you be most excited for winning a Super Bowl? You know, I want to see um, Andy Reid win one. I think we talked about that as well. You know, obviously, I I know I picked San Francisco to win, but it would be nice to see Andy Reid win one because I think uh, again, like we said on the the last podcast, he needs to win in my opinion, to clinch his spot in Canton. And if he doesn't get a Super Bowl, I don't think Andy Reid goes to Canton. Man, I, just, I remember um, Andy Reid, when his son died, like that was just super tragic. And just to see him to see him win would, would feel good, I think. Yeah, you know, I, I think um, Andy Reid's been a great coach. I think he's been a quarterback whisperer. Um, and I think that's shown. Um, but there, there, you know, there's a number of coaches that that are in the Hall of Fame that have never won a Super Bowl. You know, Marv Levy being one of them. But I don't believe that Andy Reid's legacy um, is Marvin 
or as, as Marv Levy level uh, yet. I think he has to win a Super Bowl to, to get there. All right. So let, let me ask you something totally a little bit different here. Switch back to Bills. We said on our first episode, there were, or maybe our second episode, there were so many just ridiculous plays that happened in the Bills playoff game. We could talk about it all off season. So let me just ask you, of all the ridiculous things, what what is upsetting you this week? Like, what's still sticking with you today? And it's still it's just still the fact that they blew a sixteen point lead. You know, <laughs> it's still the fact that the offense went completely silent, and that the offense couldn't move the ball, and you know the 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 lack of using Devin Singletary, uh, you know when you needed him most, because um, because I I thought Singletary was the best player for Buffalo in that game, and I think he could have provided a lot for them down in the uh, overtime period and in the you know especially when they needed him down the stretch in the in the fourth quarter when they were when they were down and they completely just put it away and. Uh, you know, I, I'm 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 happy for the most part that 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 Dable's sticking around. Um, I was a little bit kind of nervous about him going to Cleveland because I could see him going to Cleveland and being a completely different coach than what he's been here. Um, but like we said on the on the last one, we need to see more from him going forward. And I'm just still pissed off that we didn't see enough from him in, the, in when when it mattered most, but. We'll see what happens. You know, it's it's another year with him and him and Josh and and that offense, and you know, we'll we'll see what he can do. I'm 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 hopefully optimistic. I guess you could say. All right. So I think for me, immediately after the game, I was probably most upset about the pitch Josh Allen thought was a good idea while falling sideways. Then you know, the day or two after, I, I watched the game again. And I just got so mad about his fumble earlier in the game it's like the guy hardly touched him and it kind of just goes in cycles and one of the things that's sticking with me is the article at the athletic from tim graham that kim pagula didn't watch the game like she she was there at the stadium but thought it was like too nerve-wracking and apparently she can't even watch her daughter play tennis who's a who's a very good professional tennis player um and that's just frustrating on a lot of levels that kind of make you feel um, droughty again where it's just like how can things get better if the people who are supposed to be in charge didn't even watch the problem it's like you know I, I think I'd be more upset if, if the article came out saying Brandon Bean didn't watch the watch the game because at the end of the day right the Bagulas do so much as owners but it's Brandon Bean's team to run and I think he makes a lot of the decisions and they have a lot of trust in him um, unlike the Sabres which does it bother you that she's the team president? No, no, it doesn't bother me that she didn't watch the game. You know, that's the least of my worries. Uh, you know, they didn't say that Terry didn't watch the game. You know, I need one of the two of them to watch the, <laughs> watch the damn game, and and as long as one of them watched it, I'm fine with it. All right, so um, you, you hold on. You mentioned the Sabers. We're going to talk about the Sabers a lot more in coming podcasts, but I think we can we can hit on it very briefly right now. What dude? What's going on with the Sabers, man? We've seen. Just, just ridiculous <laughs> things bungled this week. The alumni jerseys spelled wrong. They didn't get the Goathead approval to wear them in the game, only for warm-ups. Like, what's going on with the Sabres? You know, I heard a lot of talk, and, and I think, um, you know, there, there was a guy yesterday on GR, Dwayne. Oh, this was that, phenomenal. If you haven't heard the rant, you need to go listen to it. I believe it's on... GR somewhere or on YouTube or somewhere you gotta you gotta find it. Yeah, G- it GR deleted their tweet for some reason, which was weird, but it's still on their website in the audio vault. It's Dwayne D U A N E. You gotta go look it up. It was a, a great, great rant. Uh, you know, I, I feel, man, I, I was feeling positive right going into the year. I thought, great, you got Skinner back. You got um, Reinhardt's playing great. You got you know Eichel who's just hitting his prime. Um, I'm, I'm watching the game right now, actually, while we're, while we're doing this. I'm watching the Montreal um, Montreal game right now. They're down 2-1 to one in the third. Uh, right now, it looks like Carter Hutton's heading towards his 12th straight loss. I think goaltending's obviously been an issue. I think Botterill's too afraid to make any moves because of how bad he got screwed on the O'Reilly trade. And I think everybody knows it, including him, You know how bad they lost that trade. Um, I, I, I just feel like... 
they also need to go ahead and get a guy to run the team. Go get a president of hockey operations or something because the Pagulas have too much going on. They're great business people. They run their business very well, but they don't know how to run a franchise. They don't know how to run a hockey team, um, and it's showing. I think vice versa on the Bills side, they have been able to go ahead and get the right people in place for the Bills, right? They got they finally got the GM in place, and I think by by getting their GM and coach in place, they're able to take some of their 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 hands off of it. Um, you know, I, th- I think Botterill was at the time one of the top GMs out there. Um, you know, especially coming from Pittsburgh, he was trying to build that that Pittsburgh culture. But the thing that the Penguins do so well is they build through their farm system, and he was trying to do that, but. There's not enough guys down in the farm system that I feel like I have enough confidence in down in Rochester that I feel can come up and play right now. But I do feel like there's also guys down in Rochester that are a lot better than some of the guys on this team. Dude, we're um, we're almost getting to the point where I'm I'm worried that Jack Eichel's going to get fed up soon and just be like, I want to trade. I can't deal with this. You know, we we were talking about this the other day too, Nick. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm waiting for Jack Eichel to go Patrick Waugh <laughs> and come to the bench and just go, get me out of here. Do something to get me out of here. And right now, he's in his prime. He's having a great year this year. He's in his prime um, for, for whatever reason. And, 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 I, and I like um, uh, the, the head coach. I think that Ralph Kruger is a good coach. I think the players have, have from what I've heard, all spoken very highly of him. Um why the heck are you not putting Jeff Skinner on the Jack Eichel Reinert line? Why is Gergensen's on your number one line? Now, now that's changed tonight. You know, for for those of you that are watching the game, you know, I've seen uh, Skinner on that Eichel line a little bit more tonight. But why are you waiting till now to do that? Where has that been all year? You know, Skinner and Eichel were so good together last year, and you wait this long to put them together. Yeah, I don't have an answer for that one. I we, We're going to get into Sabres more once football quiets down, but I did just want to mention, like, even even off the ice, it's been this week. They had, oh, al- I mean, they had alumni night, and they spelled... There are prominent alumni who are coming for this event. They spelled their name wrong. Robitaille yeah. spelled wrong. Andrew Chuck spelled wrong. And I listened to... Um, another podcast from from the Goose's Roost. They made a great point. If you're any sort of hockey fan at all, you are familiar with like the the Chuck uh, surname, right? You got Andrew Chuck, Howard Chuck, Millar Chuck, Koval Chuck. Like mm-hmm. you, you know, if you're gonna mess up Andrew Chuck, like you probably mess up like putting the e in the wrong spot. Like you don't spell Chuck C H U C K. Like just no awareness of of right. the hockey market and it's like it's just so frustrating they had the goat head jerseys and they wore them for warm-ups on 90s night but they missed the deadline i think to get approval to wear them in the actual game and just like little things are falling through the cracks and they're getting bigger and it's just this fan base it's, is it's, is losing it one thing that i was thinking too and, and again you know we we don't have anyone on the inside telling us you know for right or wrong here but i feel like the last couple years especially they focused a lot on they, they they focused a lot of their attention on the Bills, you know. They've done so much for downtown Buffalo. They've brought Buffalo. The Pagulas have do, have done so much for downtown Buffalo. They've brought, you know, the city at least back to some sort of relevance. Um, but they, I I feel like they've just forgotten about the Sabers. They've they've focused so much time, so much energy, on the Bills and making the Bills a winner that they've just sat back and forgotten about the Sabres. Now, there's people out there that um, you know that want to hear from the Bagulas, yada, yada, yada. I want to hear what they have to say. I don't care what they have to say. I don't need the Bagulas to come out and talk about it. Hell, for, for, for those idiots as well, you know, sorry to go off on this rant real quick, but for those idiots as well that are out there tweeting the Bagulas' daughter and going off on her <laughs> and, and about, about her family not being able to run the team, who cares? Stop. The Bagulas will have to handle it in some way, somehow. I don't care how it's done. You know, don't go out and get me another Ted Black because I feel like that was terrible. The worst thing that they ever did was get rid of Pat LaFontaine and 
Hell, the guy signed something saying he can't ever talk about what actually happened here. Hey, WGR caller Dwayne loved, or at least reminisced about when Ted Black was here, at least this stuff wouldn't have happened. You know, I, I was not a big Ted Black fan. I think Ted Black was, you know, equally as bad as what Darcy was for this team too. But look, go go out there and go do what you have to do. You're making the city relevant. You're making the Bills relevant. Go and make the Sabres relevant again. I don't care what you, you got. Cash space coming up. I think you're going to struggle to get free agents here. But you know what? I'm tired of trying to build through the damn draft. Go and get yourself players that can come in and play now. There's no reason why Casey Middlestat should have been playing in the pros one year removed from college. You know, let alone he went to high, out of high school to college and played one year in college. He wasn't ready for that. There's no reason why he should have been here. And you know what? There's no reason why Dylan Cousins should be here next year either. You know? But I, I someone said it great the other day on Twitter that the Sabres are an Evander Kane and Ryan O'Reilly away from being good. Gosh. And I've never heard a more truer statement about this team, you know, uh, this season especially. I'm, you, I'm, you, I'm you less must... sure about the Evander Kane part, but the O'Reilly... And maybe he wanted to, to get out of here too, but it's like you drove a guy who's that good out of your team. Mm-hmm. By the way, I do have to mention, if you... We're going to try to get this audio for you guys. If we can't get it, you need to Google Hey There Delilah, Jason Botterell version. And there's a girl out there who did a, a remix of the song, absolutely hysterical, just saying it to basically like, do you remember, remember Do Something Darcy? This was like basically the equivalent like, hey there, Jason Botterell, like, will you please do something? <laughs> like, you got to listen to the song. We're going to try to get it for you. I don't know if we'll be able to get this episode in. Um, absolutely hysterical, but it's like this is this is the point of where the fan base is. They're calling WGR and losing their minds, and they're making songs about why the GM won't do anything. You know, it, it's it's sad, and, and and I listened a lot last night. You know, I like to listen to GR um, in the afternoon, driving home from work, and and just kind of just put something on. I I kind of can't stand the afternoon guys, but uh, you know, it's just something on and. So many people calling in saying, I've been a season ticket holder for X amount of years. I'm canceling my tickets. I'm done with this team. You know, even watching the game tonight, I'm looking at the 100s. I would say the 100s are 60, 70% Canadians fans. And it's just like, what the? What happened to that, that fan base that would show up and, and would be there no matter what? I, it's finally to the point where they're tired of it. And the Bills were bad. For, don't get me wrong. The Bills were bad for so long. But at least the Bills... They had years in there where they were seven and nine, you know, eight and eight, and they had years where maybe a bounce or two goes a different way, and they're in nine and seven, ten and sixteen, and in the playoffs, right? The Sabers go on a ten-game winning streak last last season, and completely crap the bed. That that's it's not even comparable at that point, and it's they're so painful to watch most of the time, and, you know. You lose to the worst team in the league in, in the Senators twice. Their last win up until uh, Tuesday night for Ottawa was against Buffalo at home in Buffalo. I guess the worst the worst team in the league. I think Detroit but, might, might want that title. Yeah, well, Detroit's close, but I think... The other thing that blows my mind, and I'll, I'm going to cut my rant off right after this, <laughs> I promise you guys. Tyler Ennis, man. Like, he has become, he had, he had a goal and an assist against Buffalo, and his assist was a, if you haven't seen his assist. The spinorama? Um, no, the, 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 it, he just dropped a little nifty little backhand pass on the power play to the point, and I don't even know who scored. I was just so mad at that point, I shut it off. But, um, you know, that, okay, then you have Omar yeah. gets hurt. Behind the back, I, I said, I, I yes, knew what you're talking yeah. about. It was just, just a be- beautiful little pass. And it's like, come on. Even even him on this team, I feel like, would be better than some of the guys that we have. But there, there's just no... I put a lot of the blame on the, the GM. I think Kruger's fine. I just think you need to go out and get, get, get that... The Sabres need to go out and get themselves a GM who knows what they're doing. Maybe Chris Jury. All right. Well, on that note, we're going to wrap it up here. If you are a listener and you have questions for us, you can reach out to us on Twitter. You can hit up me. You can hit up Charlie. You can hit us up at the underscore process pod. Send us your questions. We'll answer them on our next episode. Yeah, guys, hit us up. Uh, Chawit68 for me. 
at Nick Veronica on Twitter for Nick. Uh, send us some questions, guys. We're, we're, we're definitely trying to uh, see what you guys want to talk about as well and, and maybe not go on crazy Sabres rants for, for 20 minutes. <laughs> next or maybe week, we but, will. Who knows? Maybe we will. We're, we're definitely going to drive in, uh, dive into more Sabres talk coming up. Um, you know, I, I think we're going to need to. Trade deadline's coming up in, in just about a month. So we'll definitely get into that, and uh, you know I, I think we'll do a uh, dive into a little bit of the the, the Bills off season as well. You know after the Super Bowl and 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 readdress that a little bit too. But appreciate you guys tuning in. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, like Nick said, hit hit us up on Twitter at the process at the underscore process pod uh, on Twitter and, and and send us some questions. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Remember to always trust the process. Good ending. Let me shut mine off.